At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Odie. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Everybody say purpose. Come on, say it again, say purpose. And Saul's servant said, behold now, an evil spirit from God troubles you. He opened the door, right? We talked about that last week. Saul opened the door and uh, opened himself up. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a guitar. Yeah, that's what it is. We talked about that a little bit last week. It's a lyre. It's a guitar. It shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent matters and a comely person. Look at this statement. We're going to preach this sometime. I'm not sure when. And the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Mm-hmm. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine, the kid, and sent them by David his son. And Saul and David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a guitar and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for a transition. We speak anointing upon your word now. Let it change us in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen. Somebody say, let the word change me. Let's say it again. Say, let the word change me. Now look at your neighbor and say, let the word change you. If we focus in on verse 18, how much time do I have? All the time I want? I'm going to tell you something. This may be the most important message I've ever preached in this church. I'm telling you. Verse 18 of our text, and we're going to look at several different things, but verse 18 gives us six features of the life of David. This man who who came to be described as as a man after God's own heart is is probably more correct Brandon, to say that there was five virtues and the sixth one, which we don't have, our, our thing's not working right, 
the sixth one actually uh, is explanatory of the first five because the sixth one says the Lord is with him. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, if the Lord's not with us, we're in trouble. I don't care what kind of building you build, and I don't care what kind of crowd you have, and I don't care what kind of song you sing. I don't care who you put in the pulpit. I don't care what anything else happens. If the Lord is not with us, we're in trouble. Amen? If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. So now hear what we have, and we've talked about this for weeks. We have two kingdoms. The spirit of Saul was one that was taking from God. Everybody say taking. But David had a spirit of bringing everything to God. Everybody say bring it. Come on, shout it one more time. Say bring it. It's no wonder then that Saul became David's greatest enemy. It's the flesh and the spirit. And, and, and the flesh is constantly wanting to take, but the spirit wants to bring. Oh, y'all get this in a minute. You got to pray for your pastor. And, and what we want to do today is, and this is on me, this is on me. And here's the challenge today. The challenge today is to teach you how to worship and to teach you what worship really is. I mean, he's heard the saying, you give a person a fish, you feed them for a week. You teach them to fish or a day, right? Today, but if you teach them to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. You know what the Lord said? The Lord says we got to just quit bringing people out of bondage and we got to teach them how to war. It doesn't do any good for you to come into this house and we just say, you're free and you're out of bondage, but you got to learn how to go back home and learn how to war in the spirit. And you're not in here, oh, and I, I'm just, I'm way ahead of myself right now. You're not coming in here just to be entertained by a worship team or for somebody else. You have to learn how to worship in the spirit in order to do warfare in the spirit. We got to see what's happening in the spirit realm when we worship. That's what happened here Thursday night. It went from, it, 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 it was elevated to that place, Judy, of where we, we started seeing the purpose of worship and people started being changed in that atmosphere. Are you with me? We can't worship for you. I can't worship for you. Do y'all love your pastor? Is this all right if we just challenge you from the word? Is this what you want? Do y'all want preaching like this? Get ready. Are you sure? You better tell me. You know, here's the question. Do we want a big church or do we want a church of power? Now, I'm not saying that a big church can't be a church of power, but a lot of people are trading a big church for a church of power. And, 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 and believe me, you, I want to see this one fill up to the point that we have to go to two services and it just be a stepping stone for what God's going to do. And people are going to start running to this region to see what God's doing in this region. But I'm telling you, if, if it means losing the power of God, I'd just as soon stay here. Here we go. 
David knew how to worship. The first, our first concern should be one that is upward toward God. Amen? Are y'all with me? I'm just going to teach a little bit. If you ministered him in your secret time without the stimulation of public applause, it's sooner or later going to become apparent to others around you. David ministered to him in his secret time. Therefore, he had a public anointing. If you have a hidden life of worship, then it will show itself in the outward service to which God has called you to. You don't have to prove yourself. People will see it. Are you with me? And so David's life was that attitude of a heart of worship and a heart after God. Amen? What's Psalm 63? And we get the Psalms. We get the Psalms. You know, David wrote, uh, we saw about this this weekend, I think. David wrote at least 75 of the Psalms. It's no, it's... Listen, guys, it's, it's no mystery that the, that the Psalms is the biggest, it's the longest book in the Bible. It was originally called, in the Hebrew, it was called the Tehillim. It was, um, and the, 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 thank you, Ernie. The Tehillim, in the Hebrew, it was originally called the song, the book of praises. Oh, hallelujah. So David wrote praises. David, David wrote, and I'm way ahead of myself again. David wrote out of experiences that he had. And you can't really praise God unless you've had an experience. All right, we'll get there. Somebody say, help him, Lord. You know, and they later, they later called it, Randy, it later became the Psalms, and, and, and we, get, we get that, you know, uh, in the, it was in, uh, uh, translated in the Greek from the Septuagint, we get the English word Psalms, but it's a book of praises. Are you with me? So can we say it was in the ordinary affairs of life that David proved the reality of the presence of the Lord and learned the secrets of an anointed life? It's not in here. It's out there. It's in your car. It's in your home. It's on your job. What are you doing when you leave this place? Are y'all with me? Everybody shout worship. Oh, I want to start out. I've got a word to the worship team, both worship teams, and then we're going to transfer to the people and some of it's just going to be intertwined somebody shout that's all right okay point number one 
The process, if you ever wrote anything down today, you should write. The process or the purpose. You have to know God in order to worship God. You can only worship to the degree that you know someone. Let's say it this way. The value of, of uh, our value, the value of God to us can never exceed our knowledge of him. Are you with me? You can't worship what you don't know. Amen. You know, really, the the person you know the the person you know the, the most is the one you appreciate the most. You know, I appreciate this lady sitting here on the front row a whole lot. I know her well. Right? Are we good? Everybody shout purpose. Verse fourteen. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Shout again, say purpose. Here's the purpose for worship. There is a purpose in worship. Now, here's, here's the problem. We have made the means the end. Rather than making it a means to the end. This is the means. Church is the means, but it's not the end. And church today has made this the means, the end. But it's just a means to the end. Y'all better pray for your pastor. Starting to get hot in here. Turn the air up. Y'all love me. It's dangerous when we make the means the end in doing so. We waste time, we waste energy, and we waste resources. Amen? Here's what the Lord said. The greatest challenge that God has with us is our preoccupation with the means. Ultimately, the means over the end. We get so preoccupied of the means that we, we, we lose sight of what the end is supposed to be. Amen? Oh, come on. Somebody, you guys got to help me. I told you, I know this is not a shout me down, but we got to remember where we came from. To whom much is given, much is required. Listen, I, I, grew, up, I grew up in a traditional Pentecostal church. Uh, and, and there's some things that, that was just so great about that, and then there's other things that I just don't miss. One of the things I don't miss is when I first got saved, you know, when I first got, became born again, uh, David, age 19, I guess, you know, 19 years old. Been a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I wanted to do something for God, so I went and bought a drum set. Never played drums before in my life. Never picked up a pair of sticks. And, uh, and, uh, I made several people backslide in church. Uh, most, most of the musicians that had to play with me early on, they backslid and they quit church. No, I'm kidding. But my wife's sitting there, and she played piano in church and sang when we were younger. And she'll, she'll tell you the truth if you ask her. She's, she'll tell you the truth, David. I was horrible. 
But, you know, eventually I learned to become a decent drummer. You know, I can't play like Brian. Where's he at? I can't play like Jacob, my son Jacob. He's not here, so I can say that. He's passed me up, too. By the way, he's playing at London today at uh, Pastor Jerry Lewis's church in the absence of your son. And they invited him down. That's where he's at today. But uh, anyway, one of the things I never missed was I never missed them saying, Sister so-and-so, do you have a song? Alan, I don't miss that. I just don't. I'm sorry. And, you know, here they would come up the aisle, and they couldn't, they just couldn't keep a beat, you know. And it was, it was just, you just couldn't do it. And then you had some of these people just played by themselves with a piano, and they never played with other musicians. And then they had to get with other musicians. And I've seen piano players that would just, you know, they would just, and I'm like, oh, help me, Jesus. And you're trying, so, you know, and you're trying to keep beat on the drums, you know. I mean, it's murder for a drummer. So, amen, drummers. But uh, uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make a point to you. We've come a long way. We're so blessed, and we don't, you know, we don't have that anymore. We're not asking people to come up that, have you got a song? Guess what? No, they, they don't have a song. This, this you know, uh, hopefully this, this lady here, and I know her, and I know that's the case, she has spent time in prayer, and she has sought God and, and, and went after God about what she's going to sing and what she's going to have others sing, sing when we step in this place, and we're going we're gonna to go after God in worship. Amen? But we're so blessed, and I'm trying to illustrate a point, but the point is we can't, we can't make this the most important part. We can't, that's, that's just the means to get us to where God wants to take us to because God has a purpose and he wants you to be set free. He wants you to be delivered from addictions. He wants you to be delivered from bondages. He wants people out there on that street to be set free. He wants people to be saved. And it's not about what takes place up here. It's what takes place up here. This is just a means to get us here. And when we look at this as, as the end, and then we're never going to get there. And we walk out of the building and we say, we had a good time. And God says, yeah, you had a good time, but it wasn't really what I had for you. Are y'all with me? We have become experts in the means. But we very rarely get to the end. You know, a huge percentage... Uh, you know, uh, and I'm just, I'm just going to teach you, okay? Do I have a lot of time? Who's got to work tomorrow? Most nobody, right? You got all day. What are you going to do when you get home? We might even take intermission, David, and come back and finish it. <laughs> a huge percentage of what we call worship is preoccupation with the means. Occasionally, we get to the end. We got to the end Thursday night. We was getting close to the end this morning, right? Come on. Are y'all receiving this? If you are, say amen. You know, the problem is we've learned... We've learned to have more fun with the process 
than the purpose of the process and what it's supposed to get us to. Uh, come on, guys, listen. I love, don't, don't, don't think I'm a fuddy-duddy. I love good music. I grew up, listen, it's not about good music. There's all kind of great musicians. Listen, you're going to say I'm getting, you know, I'm getting carnal, but I'm not. And don't you get all religious on me. But hey, there's a lot, there's a lot of them out there. It's, it's hard pressed to find somebody who could play like Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan or, come on. I know you, I know you know who those guys are. Guess what? They're dead. I'm thankful for great musicians, but give me somebody, give us something that when we, we don't look at them as the means and we put them up on this platform, let's, let's get going to where we can get to the end of this thing and we can see what God, what the purpose of setting the atmosphere for worship is. Not just to feel good, boy, I had a great time this morning for two hours and you go out of here with the same demonic spirits. David played before us all so the spirits could leave. He was skillful. He spent time, oh, come on. He spent time in the wilderness by himself, nobody but sheep, and God God let him kill a lion, God let him kill a bear, and then you think what he's gonna say. These spirits are not anything for God. This is what I'm here for. Let's play. Let's run them out the door. Let's cause them to flee. This is not entertainment. This is not a concert. Come on. Thank God for... I've been in church a long time. Thank God for the best musicians I've ever been around. I don't know any, how you can say, well, you're, you're biased, Pastor. I may be, but I don't know anybody on TV that I'd trade them for. I wouldn't trade this little lady right here for any of those worship leaders. I'd say that if she wasn't here. You know why? She's got a great talent. But she has a heart after God. Come on. This is how David got there. He was a worshiper. Y'all with me? If you're with me, say amen. Can we do it all here? We've learned to have more fun with the process than we do actual adoration in the person we activated the process for. You should write that down. I'm going to say it again. We've learned to have more fun with the process than we do actual adoration in the person we activated the process for. All right, I'm going to speed up, okay? Can you write fast? When the means becomes more important than the end, then purpose is aborted. I'm going to say that one again. When the means becomes more important than the end, then purpose is aborted. When our song, our music, or our church service becomes more important than the one we're singing or playing or worshiping, then the purpose is aborted. Psalm 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's nothing that compares to the presence of God. But there's... You know, right? But there's times when the presence of God don't show up. You can't bribe and you can't manipulate God with music. 
Either you're walking in the spirit and you know who he is and you're ready to worship and thank God, thank God, but you're ready to worship regardless who's on this platform, regardless who's playing, regardless who's singing, regardless who's doing whatever. I come to worship God. Are you spending time with him? Has he done something for you in your quiet time? Has he done something that no one else can do? Sing me happy, preach me happy. No, you go after God, and when you come through the door, you'll be happy. We should have praise going on in the parking lot. If we got praise going on in the parking lot, we may not even have to sing a song. You know, I, I, I'll go ahead and say it to your all's credit, and I almost didn't preach this message because of the way this service started. I appreciate the response this morning. We didn't have to pump you. We didn't have to do a call to worship. People were ready. I love that. I came upstairs. I'd already told Brandon, go do a call to worship after Greg gets done. I came up and he said, don't guess we need one. Great for me. Somebody give God praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. I hope you're right. The process should take us to the purpose but never become the purpose. You know, sometimes, sometimes, Jill, this can be difficult. Amen? How many of us too often we become worshipers of the process? We're guilty. Amen? Somebody say amen. The process has become our purpose. And it's not just about, it's not just about the worship team. It's about church. Oh, let me preach. Broke my glasses. I got up out of bed this morning and I drug myself out to church and I was here for two hours and I threw my tithe in the offering. I've, I've paid my dues, God. I'm good to go. Amen? I put my time in. So the process becomes the purpose. We make that purpose yeah. <laughs> I'll break them no. those are Zernies oh. are you serious I'll break another pair <laughs> no. thank you Ernie I love Ernie you know the problem is when we don't come to a meeting to meet God we come to a meeting to have a meeting and then the process the meeting excels, itself becomes our purpose Psalm 63, David said, I thirst, my soul thirst. Everybody say, my soul thirst. My soul thirst for you, O God. So the whole point I'm trying to make here, guys, is we have to get to a place to where we're hungry for God and we're not hungry for a church service. We're not hungry for a worship team. We're not hungry for a worship experience. We've made the worship experience the end. All right, here we go. We're not done. Exodus 20, Exodus 20, you don't write these down. We don't have an overhead, and I'll just try to quote them the best, as I, best I can. You don't have to go there. Exodus 20. Exodus 20, you should know that. What's in Exodus 20? Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other. Let me ask you a question. How many, how many believe God does not, does not like idols? 
God don't like idol worshipers, right? Here we go. When the process becomes more important than the purpose, idolatry is created. We're going to be ready when we move over there. Can I say that again? When the process becomes more important than the purpose, idolatry is created. How many believe the church today is often worshiping idols and they don't even realize it? Let's go to that conference. Who's leading worship? If so-and-so's not there, I'm not going. Who are you going for? Are y'all with me? Do y'all love me? Worship. Oh, gosh. Worship, originally, the, the word, if you study the word, and some of you may have, what's it interpreted? Worth-ship. Everybody say worth. Worth-ship. Right? It means something of, of value, and it's something of worth to you. In other words, it becomes worthy of worship. So whatever you place more worth on than God, then it becomes an idol. And it can be a song. It can be music. It can be a person. It can be a preacher. It can be a... You make it an idol because it's, more, it's a more value to you than God. Hey, if you're walking with God and you show up here on Thursday and nobody's here, you should still be able to celebrate, right? Because it's not about me. I'm glad I'm able to be here. I'm enjoying being here. Thursday's been great. I mean, enjoy Thursday. But if I can't be here, as long as God's here, it's still good, right? Are y'all with me? You know, that's why it becomes so difficult. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times, and I watch, can I just tell you the truth? I watch some of this stuff on TV and I'm thinking, that's just a lot of noise. I just hear a lot of noise. You know, it's great music and great singing, but that's all we're hearing. Great music and great singing. Again, I've always told you, you can buy a ticket and go hear the best. Amen? Great music, great singing. But we need the power, don't we? We need the anointing. The question is, is who are we playing to? Who are we singing to? You know, I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. We just have to understand what, what true worship is, and that's on me. That's what I'm doing right now. It's on me. I can't blame anybody else if you don't know. But after today, it's on you. And when you walk out that door today, if you don't understand what true worship is, it's on you. And if you didn't get it today, come back and we'll talk some more. Or I'll give you my notes. Amen? Any other worship than God is idolatry, regardless of what it is. Which can be a song, an instrument, a dance, 
Amen? Somebody say amen. You know, we should be praying as much as we are singing. And I believe in rehearsing. Studies show that self-approved. Workmen need not be ashamed, right, dividing more of the truth. I believe in that. But if we practice for an hour, we should be praying this week. Hey, 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 do y'all love me? Oh, help me, Lord. Where's Daniel at? Come up here and stay. help me, buddy. Please. The sound should never be more important than the one we're singing to. I told you I was going to be on the worship team first, and then I'm going to come at you guys. So you better be amen, because it's going to be your turn, then they're going to amen. <laughs> we can become so focused on how we sound that we don't give it to him. The activity that we so often call worship is always the means, but never should be the end. It's the process, but never should become the purpose. First John five twenty one, Jesus said, little children, I would that you didn't have idols. Do you know God is jealous over idolatry? Amen? Ernie David was in that, out there in there watching those sheep, and then David was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And he wrote a song. Amen? He was able to sing what he had seen God do. Are you with me? You know, that's why it's, it's not so important about what you're singing. Hear me, guys, worship, worship team, singers, players. It's not so important about what you're singing, but who you're singing it to. Kids, it's not so worship about how you pray. It's who you're talking to. It's not important for somebody else to hear you pray. If you're praying for somebody else to hear you pray, it's no different than if you're singing. They're not singing to us. They're singing to him. Right? And I'd rather them miss a note and have the anointing as for everything to be perfect and it be dead. We're going to go. When we get over here, we're going to be right, man. Are y'all with me? Oftentimes, the activity becomes more important than the goal. Somebody, you know, and that's why we get on this, this, this spiritual roller coaster. You know, we're feeling God one week, next week we're down. It's because you're dependent upon this. You got to get in line with this. God is constant. And then what happens is we come in here, oh, I'm, I'm, okay, here we go. Now's your chance. I'm not done yet. Then what happens is we come in here and one of these guys miss a note or they get off beat and Brian gets off beat or Brandon misses a note or whatever, Daniel or Randy or something don't work right. What's wrong with them? Must be sin in their life. <laughs> Something's not right here. What about you? Might be a little sin in your life. Oh, I'm preaching good now, ain't I? 
you better get ready before you get here. Because guess what? These guys may not be. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm being totally honest with you. I, 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 really, I literally mean that I wouldn't trade these guys for anybody. I wouldn't. Where's Brandon at? I wouldn't trade you for anybody. I wouldn't. But they may, they may not be on point all the time. If they're not on point, where are you? Oh, I can't worship because the band's not on point. I can't worship because they're not singing the way I think they should sing. They're not singing that song that I like so well. They're not, you know, Jill's not here, whatever the case may be. No, it's not about them. It's not about this. It's about this. It's about him. Come on, we got to learn what real worship is. Worship takes place between you and God in, in your private time, your secret time. We come out here just to celebrate corporately, just to declare what God's already doing. Don't run in here on Sunday morning and say, fix me. I, we can't fix you for two hours on Sunday morning. That's like people drop their kids off and, and they've, never, they've never made their kids mine. They've never made them, they've never given them any discipline or anything else. And they drop them off at the, at the uh, daycare. Fix little Johnny. You need to fix little Johnny at home. You need to get things right at home. And then you'll have such an attitude. Thank God for wonderful music and wonderful worship. But you'll have such an attitude that you'll say, what, the band's not here? No problem. No problem. We're good to go. And then they show up and you're like, bonus. I bet if I looked hard enough, I could find some things wrong with you. Do y'all love me? I'm just about done. I'm not, but I'm just about. And I promise you next week we're going to try our best to kill a giant. In fact, we're killing it right now in the spirit. And next week we're just going to celebrate the death. here folks David didn't kill that that giant wasn't killed out there on that field that giant was killed when he was back there watching the sheep that's where he killed the giant he didn't kill it out there come on he didn't kill it that was just the manifestation of something that had already happened in the spirit realm was where he killed it. Daniel, he was equipped before he got to the battle. You know, David didn't have to get out there
He didn't have to get out there and say, has anybody got a song? He had a song. How many believes, how many, how many agrees with your pastor? And I'm way off my notes now. How many agrees with your pastor? And I guess I couldn't resist the temptation to just at least go there a little bit. But how many agrees with your pastor that if David wasn't prepared before he got there, he could not have faced that giant? And it, it speaks volumes to us as a church, as, as musicians, as singers, worship team, people in the pews, if we're not ready before we can't do it. All right, can I have just a few more minutes? I hope you recorded this. All right. This is the last point, I promise. I have three points today. Here we go. Creation versus the creator. It's the last point. I'll be quick. Everything that exists is because of God. We shouldn't give anything, any, any credit to anything else but God. Right? But here's the problem. We often worship the, cre- the creation more than the creator. When the creation becomes more important than the creator, the result is misplaced worship. Because we're worshiping the creation more than the creator. We're worshiping the music more than the one who created it. Amen? Look at verse 18 real quick. They're looking for somebody to, to, to put out these evil spirits. Look at verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. You notice something there? I didn't even know, this guy didn't even know his name, buddy. Is this guy, this, this son of Jesse, don't know his name, but I was out there going through the woods the other day or through the fields and over the mountains and in the valley of the shadow of death. And I heard this guy out there playing. There wasn't nobody around but a bunch of sheep. Don't really know who he is, but I'm telling you, that guy's got some power. Amen? Are you with me? Not the creation, but the creator. David said, my soul thirsts for thee. Are you with me? You know, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt bondage, and he said, I'm going to take you into a land. We have so much, right? What's the scripture say? Stay with me just a couple more minutes. I promise I'm going to close. What's the scripture say? The scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, when he, when he took when the children of Israel, so I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. He said, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to give you a lot. But you remember what he said? He said, but when I take you there, don't forget the Lord. All right? So we're not having people, I'm not having to stand in this pulpit and say, Sister so-and-so, have you got a song today? We're so blessed, but we can't forget the Lord, right? Are y'all with me? In closing, last thing. I want you to write this down. And I got to get this in. You got to get this. You got to get this. The value of all things is summed up by the manufacturer of that thing. 
Anything you have, the value of it is summed up by the manufacturer. How many's ever had something, you bought something a few years later, it tears up, you call the company, they went out of business? Anybody ever had that happen? I have. I'm sure you have, man, as long as you've been around. Gotcha. <laughs> I love Ernie, he's always hitting me. No, seriously. Can't help you. Are y'all with me? In closing, when that happens, what you have is worthless. The value, don't miss this. Don't, don't miss this. I promise this is, this, is, this, is, this is really good. You need to get this. The value of a thing is only as good as the source of that thing. If we don't worship God, what if we do worship at some point, it will cease to it will cease to no longer be sustained by God. It'll, it'll have to be sustained by the flesh. Therefore, it becomes worthless. The source is more important than the resource. We should never preoccupy ourselves with the resource. But the source. This, that, is a resource. That building. Thank God for it, Danny Tuttle. But I believe with every fiber of my being that that man back there has done everything he can do to make that building right. But I think he'll also look at you and say it's nothing more than a resource without the source. We can't place more emphasis on the resource than the source. So we have to constantly acknowledge the source and be thankful for the resource. Amen? You know, and I said I was going to talk to you guys. We've made our worship leaders cheerleaders. You should never have to be pumped to worship. If you have to be pumped to worship, there's something wrong. You've not had that experience. It causes something to happen inside you. You can't praise God for deliverance if you haven't been delivered. But when God does something in you, but you know, when, when, you, when you got up, and I'm, I'm finishing, I promise. When you got up and came to church this morning, you got in that car, you should be thanking God for the car that you have. The oil in that engine came up out of the ground. God provided it. The clothes you put on your back, God provided them. There had to be a, something killed somewhere. God made it. Are y'all seeing? It's the source. Not the resource, it's the source. So, you, you, well, uh, you shouldn't have to have a song to pump you up. And if you have to have someone to tell you to raise your hand. We should never have to tell you. When you have an experience with God, so, you shouldn't have to have anyone tell you to raise your hands. Worship, is, it's not just a, an experience that happens here. It's something that happens in the spirit. Do y'all love me? In closing. We've made worship leaders cheerleaders and they have to force people to praise God. What happens is we come to church without a song, without a praise. There's got to be something that generates that in us before we get here. Amen? And I know the worship leader gets tired of being a cheerleader and struggles to get us to raise our hands. And here's, here's the last statement. 
The reason we have to be told to do that is because we have not connected the source with the resource. Because when that connection takes place, you sing before you get here. Your praise starts before you get because you've connected the source with the resource. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.